I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday. Um, and Ben, how are you feeling right now? How are you? Are, are you how are you? How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, Elizabeth. I'm I'm okay. It's... You're you're okay because I'm only asking because last week you had to watch a lot of broadcast television. There was quite a bit of TV that debuted last week. Not just broadcast, but definitely more broadcast than anything else. Yeah, I mean it, it was a lot, and you had and you took on you took on your duties admirably. Um, but now that it's interesting because now we're kind of past the, I feel like we're kind of past the first big hump of fall TV. Like we've gotten through most of the big premieres. There's still some stuff to come in October that looks potentially interesting. But right now I feel like we've kind of gotten a sense of what's looking good in the world. And from your perspective, you had, you did a lot of reviews of shows. Uh, what stands out for you? Oh man, Elizabeth, that's... You're asking a very difficult question when it comes to broadcast TV because I am, uh, I'm pretty impatient with it. I'm pretty, I, I have a short fuse when it comes to watching things that feel censored or inauthentic, um, and that uh, that applies to a lot of broadcast TV. And, and sometimes it's stipulation that they can get away with, and sometimes they find brilliant ways to work within it. And there hasn't been that many examples of that for me, but I'd say two shows, um, both of which are on ABC, stand out more than any of the others. And that's uh, Speechless with mm-hmm. Minnie Driver and Designated Survivor with Keith Sutherland, which, for the record, I did not expect to enjoy. Really? <laughs> no. I, I'm not. I don't Is have it because I was her. clearly very enthusiastic about it? No, it was, uh, it was more just that it, it looked like a show in which everything would be in that premise. Everything would be in the, that idea that in and of itself is very interesting, that a you know uh, someone gets set aside every time you know congress and and the president get into the same room so in case they all die by uh, attack or an act of god there's somebody there to continue the presidential line of succession and that's something that has been brought up in very specific examples in other shows like the west wing has done it like Mm -hmm. shows have, have made this you know part of themselves but this is all about that uh, and Kiefer rising to the occasion to become the president, it's like, well, this feels like just kind of a, you know, wish fulfillment kind of thing where we want Jack Bauer to be our president when we're so sick of our presidential options, or that's the <laughs> shitty narrative that they keep putting out there. Um, and uh, and th- to me, it worked much better than I expected. Like, it, it seems like it's got legs, uh, at least for a season, you know, at least for a little bit. Yeah, I think, like, the... The big thing about it is it's eliciting comparisons to both 24 and the West Wing. And, you know, Which, uh, the West Wing, eh, let's, that seems like a stretch. Well, no, but not not in terms of quality level necessarily, but in terms of like being a kind of show about the day to day work of government. And yeah. and I actually this is something I got to speak with the uh, creators on the show and uh they were saying that they it is they really they don't want it to be one thing or the other. They do want to find that balance. So like having both the terrorism and conspiracy angles in there, very twenty four ish, as well as the basic fact of you know President Jack Bauer has to figure out how to be president in this very chaotic uh, new regime. Yeah, they have a, a new couple, new regime, a new era. A couple good scenes of specifics outside of just him being told what was what was happening, uh, in which. Cal Penn, his speechwriter, or his, some, his guy, somehow hired speechwriter out of you know nothingness, uh, 
tells him, you know, about the presidential voice and how he needs to establish a presidential voice and, and how he needs to speak in a certain way to the American public at this time mm-hmm. and how he can't act the way he did, you know, during another conference that went successfully. I thought that worked very well. Um, I thought in his first meeting with... Uh, all the, like all the foreign, generals. Like the, no, 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 not, the, not even the generals. His first meeting uh, one-on-one as the president to a ambassador for another right. country that he needed to warn. It was like he just flipped a switch, which was pretty easy. Like, it looked easy for him to just turn on over into the badass Jack Bauer type that we all want, it to, want him to be. Right. And that was satisfying, but it was also pretty inauthentic. Um, so, you know, there's, there's going to be, I think, some moments where they need to smooth it over. And it seems so weird to call a show about the government being brutally murdered in this horrible explosion, a national tragedy, to call that fun seems wrong. But that's what it is. It's a fun show. Well, it's, I think you you made a comparison in your review to Tom Clancy, and I feel like that's... Well, no, it, it that was the one of the few that actually went through with this. Oh, yeah. Like, that had a whole thing, whole story. Tom Clancy wrote a book uh, in which Jack Ryan becomes president right. through this line of succession, a similar scenario. But yeah, 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 yeah Clancy. Um. God, it's so. It, I, I, I'm just like, for one thing, as a, I'm just such a nerd about this one random facet of our of of our political system. Um, I remember hearing an interview on NPR with like, like essentially one of the guys who's been who's been our designated survivor before, and he was like, "Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I know where I am in the line of order of succession. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm actually I, I I would normally be 16th, but the 15th person is uh was born outside the United States. I'm like. I don't know. It's it's a fun thing uh, for for me just as a political nerd. And the, but it's the problem with designated survivor. And this is a problem we have with a large number of the broadcast shows out there. Is that uh, screener wise, we only have the first episode on which to judge it. And uh, you know, as a result, it makes it really like a lot of with the other with other shows like other networks, uh, HBO and Showtime and. Well, sometimes Showtime, uh, sometimes Showtime, but Netflix is better about this. Uh, Amazon, like they give us a large amount of the show. Sometimes, like even the full season, and that is so much, so much more useful in terms of being able to evaluate it. And you know, of course, the problem is that they're busy making the show, and broadcast schedules allow for that sort of delivery system. But still, yeah. And the hardest thing about that is is when you're writing for an audience and when you're reviewing something you want to have a very strong opinion and because you're only given one episode that kind of limits your ability to fully endorse something or fully destroy something so uh yeah i mean it's it's kind of the the nature of the business and it's definitely something that the broadcast people have stuck with for a long time but we have seen a little bit of it fall down um which leads me to or well we should talk a little bit about speechless you watched speechless light right with yeah. uh, benny driver yeah I've, I've seen the pilot for that yeah it's, that's all i've seen as well so it's, they, it's they charming it's the one but i'd i'd feel pretty comfortable endorsing that after one episode i feel like the cast dynamic is very strong uh i feel like the the kind of uh intuitive nature of, of what they're trying to do resonates very quickly and uh, it seems like all the actors are just very talented people, like down mm-hmm. to the kids. Like each of the kids uh, in this were cast for very specific purposes. And in that pilot episode, even the little girl who doesn't get a lot of screen time, she has a couple of scenes where if she reads the wrong way, it's going to be tough to deal with. And she did a great job. So I'm, I feel like that's going to be a nice fit with the ABC family Wednesday nights. Um, and if you like, you know, the Goldbergs or Blackish or you used to like Modern Family somehow, if you still do, you'll be a pretty safe bet going with speechless every week yeah um 
So, I mean, Speechless, Speechless I think, was strong. Um, and then, but going to NBC, uh, you and I, I think, differ pretty strongly on The Good Place. Uh, I've, and that's one where we have had the opportunity to watch multiple episodes. They've released, I think, the first five, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I found myself really liking it and responding to the, what they're doing with the format. But what was your issue? Uh, my issue with The Good Place is that it, it starts in a very creative, uh, inspired scenario, and it has a lot of fun with it to the point where you're watching giant ladybugs walk across the screen, and that's definitely not something you see every day. And they just slowly dial that back until it kind of feels like we're having a very predictable one-on-one discussion with kind of slowly paced jokes that are too few and far between. Um, the, everyone's very likable. The, the presentation is engaging, like the aesthetics of it, the world that they create, everybody who's handling production design, A-plus work. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the writing, which to me is, is you know, obviously what kind of makes or breaks these shows, it, it's just a little formulaic. And for something that pretends to be very creative or at least tries to be very creative and different from what we're seeing out there, I don't have any evidence of that. There's not a lot I can point to outside of those first 30 minutes and say, oh, wow, this is this is changing the game. Yeah, but I like I like some of the elements they introduce. Like essentially, if, if you know, I don't I haven't read anything specific about this, but uh, for if you've seen The Good Place, you know that the first episode really focuses on Kristen Bell's character. Um, Kristen or Kristen? Kristen. Kristen. Kristen Bell's character. Um, but subsequent episodes actually end up spotlighting you know other players, and I. Yeah, no. They, like later, like after what we've seen, because no. not what we've seen. Yeah, fla- there's flashbacks for for each of the characters. But there are the B stories. There, yeah. but that's typical. Like again, this is falling back into kind of standard network tropes, where especially with this creator, with Mike Schur, we're used to seeing such brilliantly interwoven character dynamics with kind of big ensemble scenes, and they've got a great core ensemble, and they've got a good exterior ensemble as well to kind of separate them and dumb it down into one-on-one, you know, back and forth very predictable conversations. I'm not getting a lot out of those kind of things. That whole episode where uh, Chidi is trying to find a hobby, and that's the B story, is brutal. Like, it's not, <laughs> there's no point to that to that story, and it doesn't really get us anywhere. Yeah. Nor does it uh, really reward the viewer for, for their basic desire to see Chidi, who is, I wish I could remember his name, I'm sorry, I apologize to the actor, he's doing a great job, to see him... Kristen Bell and Ted Danson all together interacting continuously or to have them be challenged while they're still around each other so you can kind of have that nice story beat, that comedic timing that gets generated when you have talented cast members working together. And it's it's just so claustrophobic right now. I agree with you on the claustrophobics front, and that is actually a really fair point. Um, I think I'm just really responding to essentially what's character-first storytelling and, and – um, there are a couple, and also I, I was I enjoyed a couple of the bigger twists that come in later episodes that we of course will not reveal here, but are good. There's a couple of good twists coming up. And see that bothers me too. I, I feel like anything <laughs> like this where it's twist driven, it feels like a crutch. Like they don't. This should not be a show that is that is dependent on you know the last second reveal at the end of an episode to make you want to keep watching. Because it, I mean, it's a comedy and it's a fun, again, creative comedy that has a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things. I don't need those twists. I, I mean, I, they're not doing a lot for me. Um, so I, I, I think my biggest question for you is, for The Good Place, it comes down to, on my end, being disappointed because of my high expectations for it. Right. Um, and I feel like everybody's going to come in with their own expectations depending on how much they liked 
you know, previous shows or these stars or you know what have you. But where would you like? Wh- how good would you say this show is? Like you're enjoying it more than I am, which is good. And right. That's nice. But in terms of like prioritizing it among even your comedies, not even on right now, just comedies this year, would it even make the top fifteen? Huh. I feel like I feel like I will have a better answer for that after like episode ten. Like I feel like I, I need more. My my personal feeling is that I came to it with actually very low expectations. I think like mostly just because what they were what you know the basic premise and what they're trying to do with it. Like it struck me at the time when I first heard about it and first started seeing trailers as incredibly ambitious and incredibly difficult. So how they find the actual show in the midst of that like was something I was you know. A little, you know, curious about how they're going to pull it off. I was skeptical, even, and so in this case, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised. You know what this show needs? What needs? needs Mimi Leader? She needs to come in. She needs to direct a couple episodes. She needs to open this baby up, because that's what Mimi Leader does. <laughs> what are which leftovers episodes are you specifically referring to, Ben? Uh, she came on board at the end of season one, and then she was the. Uh, show running director of season two. Right. And if you think about how much the cast grew in season two, mm-hmm. you think about how well they were incorporated into each other's stories. And if you can imagine that in a comedic context, gold. I'd, I'd watch a, I'd watch Mimi Leader direct a comedy. I think that'd be fun. Bring her in. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> uh, but no, like, I, I'm, I'm very glad they gave us that many episodes. It's definitely a show I'm going to be keeping up with. I guess right. it's just to me... You know, it's brutal right now. And, and one of the reasons we're doing this, like, we, we didn't really get to on the lead-in, but one of the reasons we're talking about all these broadcast shows is simply because there are so many broadcast shows. And the biggest service we can do for you guys is to try to narrow it down and say, okay, I know you're going to be watching Transparent when it comes out. I know you're going to probably watch Woody Allen's new show. Hopefully you're watching One Mississippi. Like, there, there's Easy coming out on Netflix. Luke Cage is coming out next week. Like, there's all of these shows that we kind of know you're going to make time for if you're a big TV fan. Right. And fitting in these broadcast shows, especially when you've only got one episode to, to sample on Hulu or whatever, you know, you kind of need to pick and choose, especially if you get kind of easily sucked in like a lot of TV fans do. Like, if it's kind of good, you get kind of curious and you kind of stick with it. Um, so for me, i got to drop the hammer a little bit, and that's where I'd have to cut off a, a couple of these. Like poor, poor, poor old Pitch? Pitch gets, Pitch is out. Aww. Pitch got three strikes, and it's it's out. Aww. I'm Again, because I'm curious and because I, I feel... I have mixed feelings about my own reaction to pitch. Um, I will sample episode two, but yeah, that first episode was tough. I know. I you are Ben is not in the majority of people. I feel that have uh, when it comes to when it comes to his opinions regarding pitch. I will say for the record, and I enjoyed it. There were, there were a lot harsher reviews than mine. Really, I will say that. Yeah. Who who, who really tore into it? I don't remember. I just I kind of glazed over the Metacritic scores. I think I was sixth or seventh from the bottom so okay at least there was one guy who gave it like a zero or a ten or something so. well um <laughs> yeah pitch of course is the uh fox drama dramedy drama about uh what what if a woman got to pitch in the uh mlb yep i did it good job liz sports <laughs> you're, su- you're such a good san francisco giants fan <laughs> They're in the National League. God, you are a good San Francisco Giants fan. I'm only learning. This is the first year I've ever actually known that because, uh, and it's only because of how you and you and some of our coworkers are. We're all we're all apparently National League 
play, team fans. <laughs> um, and but, but of course we're we're rooting for different teams. Yeah. Uh, we, don't, which, we don't agree on our National League teams, but we can agree on the National League because American League is filled with cheaters. <laughs> is that because uh, the uh, pitchers don't have to uh, bat? You are exact, Liz. You are just you have a future in sports broadcasting. I Let's do. Let's just get to it. Okay. We can start calling some games. It'll be a good time. <laughs> the sports ball hit got hit by a guy, and he ran around the bases because he did a thing. Except in pitch, when it gets hit by, well, guys are still hitting it so far, but she'll have to bat because she's in the National League. Right. So we're going to see a woman hit. Yeah. We're going to see it. We saw a woman on the mound. Great. So I'm going to see a woman in the batter's box. Great. I wish that she wasn't so affected by her emotions, but other than that, uh... Why do you want her to be a robot, then? <laughs> she says she was a robot, Liz. Ro- robots would have muscle memory. Well, they wouldn't have muscles, but they'd have memory in which they wouldn't make such disastrous throws where she throws it into the infield grass. I mean, she's not missing by a little bit. She's not getting hit out of the park. She literally has forgotten how to throw a baseball, which is just preposterous. Ah, the metaphors get a little confused on pitch. It's true. Uh, it's uh, the Salt Lake Tribune, Scott D. Price, who oh. hated pitch far more than I did. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he used to be president of the TCA, so I guess he knows stuff about television critic ring. He's, he, he's got a got a spot on the resume. But no, I, with pitch, I I don't want to rob anybody of their joy of the show. I really tried not to do that with the review. I, I never really want to do that with any TV unless I think it's damaging like i will try to rob you if you somehow find joy in american crime that show is a problem so i want to get it off the air but um with pitch it's it's very innocent it's good-hearted it's trying to do the right thing for me it just rang a little false it felt a little uncomfortable when when a woman who the problem being that that women are associated with with emotions where we're like well we can't have a female president because she's gonna have the nuke codes and then she's gonna let her emotions get in the way so we she's gonna hit the button at the wrong time like this is such a horrible cliche and such terrible sexism that's that's invaded our culture for so long the fact that she goes out there and she can't get over something that happened ages and ages and ages ago and it so horribly destroys her simple ability to do the one thing she's there to do to me, it rang as a little sexist. It rang as a little bit uncomfortable in that scene, and I, I couldn't really get past it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I'll be much better in future episodes because they've gotten past this point. They're not going to do this again. There could be other problems, but they're not going to do that. Yeah, apparently um, I've read the episode descriptions for the next two episodes. Um, one of them involves whether or not a sexist comment, I believe, made by one of the coaches will affect things going forward. Mm-hmm. And... Apparently, there's an ex-boyfriend, and he shows up in episode three. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, this was the other thing that, uh, going back to your point about having more than just the pilot, we got an email on, what, Monday or something? Yeah, saying we were going to get more episodes, but we didn't get them before the premiere, which meant you were reviewing just Just the the pilot. Yeah, and that's to to talk about the pilot to me is to talk about that scene, and that scene, everybody's going to have a different interpretation of it. I think mine is in the 1% or less, like, but... You know, that's 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 the reaction I had to it, and I really hope it gets better from here because, again, it deserves to. Like, it, it's it's a show that I'm frankly kind of surprised made it on the air, and those first rating, the ratings that came out, you know, Friday morning, weren't looking great. So, again, if it if it figures it out, if it keeps going forward and, and keeps making these really good scenes that give you goosebumps, like when she first stepped on the mound, great. Like, let's figure this thing out. Let's get behind it. 
Well, I think it's worth noting, uh, the, the, the analysis I've read about the ratings for last night is that we can be, we, we need to be a little more, we need to be a little nice, we need to be nice about it because the bit, this problem was Pitch actually did really well given the fact that it was stuck behind Rosewood, which is cratering. So Rosewood had a terrible second season premiere um, and then Pitch came on and managed to not flounder desperately and uh, thus actually did very well by some standards. Yeah, and, and meaning we need to be nice to it because if, if a lot of shit gets out there about it, people aren't going to sample it when it moves those other nights. When it's when they're, when Fox starts shuffling this around to make it work because they are behind this 110%. Oh, yeah. Um, when they start doing that, which hopefully will happen very soon, we don't want the people who are tuning in for Bones or whatever other friggin' lead-in they decide to give it to be like, oh, nope, not this show. I've heard about it and turn it off. Right. So we'll revisit this one in future weeks and, and see if it see if my reaction changes. And uh, for now, just, you know, honestly, give it a chance. It's, it, it is one I would encourage people to watch if only to take part in the discussion. Yeah, and certainly, certainly there's a discussion worth having around that show as opposed to something like, say, ABC's Notorious, which... Oh, God. Um, did you even watch that no. one? Nope. No, didn't have time this week. I I did watch the pilot back like back this back last summer, and it's not good. Yeah, I heard I heard literally nothing but bad things, and honestly, most of even the bad things I heard were that it was the worst new show of the fall. Like not just it not just bad, but the worst of what's coming up. So, yeah. which leads me to my other question about a show that I haven't seen: What the heck is up with Bull? <laughs> Oh, bull. The CBS procedural that stole its marketing campaign from the grinder for God knows what reason. Uh, somehow got great ratings because it's CBS and people and will Michael watch Weatherly. A, people will watch a white guy on CBS. So. Well, it's also Michael Weatherly, who's been a massive star on uh, and a massive part of NCIS uh, for the last 10 years. And so they put they put bull in between NCIS and NCIS, whatever the other one is. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> which is... Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm so far out of the loop on this. Like, I couldn't have told you that, A, uh, Bull was on after NCIS. I couldn't have told you. I still can't tell you what the name of the other NCIS is. I think it's like NCIS LA um, or NCIS LL Cool J. But um, I couldn't have even told you that Michael Weatherly was ever on NCIS. I don't know. I did not know who Michael Weatherly was. How have you worked in this office with me for so many years and never known who Michael Weatherly is? Because when you talk about Michael Weatherly, all you say is his name over and over again, and you <laughs> never provide any context to it. So for me, I was just like, I can keep coasting by on this, since Liz knows a lot of names that I don't know, and usually usually I don't need to know them, so it's okay. Um, Michael Weatherly is the reason you should know, reason I know Michael. Is he Michael, the X-Files? No. Oh, well, no. I don't care. But it was okay. No, it's, it, he was he, he second best thing. He's the love interest slash guy in a wheelchair on Dark Angel. God. <laughs> How had you forgotten this? I told you what happened in all every episode of Dark Angel. I don't. I my brain has so little room that it cannot hold on to some of the things that I want to remember. So I'm pretty sure when you started, whenever you start talking about Dark Angel, I just immediately push that out. Oh, like man. I listen within the split second that you're giving me the words so I can provide an adequate response, but then it's gone. James Cameron's triumphant return to television. What did he do before? Actually, I don't, I think it was, no, it was his triumphant, triumphant arrival upon television. How many seasons did that last? Two. <laughs> Way to go, James. <laughs> Definitely your biggest success. Hang your coat on that one. Can't wait to see Dark Angels 2 through 6. Uh, 
that's the it's the only universe that James Cameron wants to work in, I'm sure. Man, uh, the fun the fun part about talking about Dark Angel is that people get it confused with True Calling, which is completely fair because both of them star brunette actresses and were on Fox and were sci-fi shows and got canceled after two seasons. You know, there's a lot of shows being resurrected these days, and I feel like the actors, you know, within it who are beloved, like John Stamos for Fuller House, you know, they're probably making a good chunk of money coming back to do these these yeah. these saved shows. I bet you could get Jessica Alba for cheaper than you did originally. Well, she's kind of a self-made billionaire now, though. Billionaire? Yeah, she has a her her, her the, makeup line has made her billions. Well, I think she's at least very comfortably multi-millionaire. Well, I'm sure she's. Yeah, I, I know she's. Comfortable. I mean, it's worth the company is worth like a lot of money. But I bet I bet there's a a little bit of hankering, you know, in, in the back of her head to act again, maybe. Yeah. So I, I still think they could get her for cheap. Yeah. I'm sure she didn't enjoy it. When James Cameron is inclined to make another season of Dark Angel. See, by the, way, by the way, you remembered that Jessica Alba was in Dark Angel. How could anyone forget that Jessica Alba was in anything? She is such a talent. <laughs> you know, she and I have the exact same birthday. I did, Liz. Yeah. You have a lot of uh, common attributes with Jessica Alba. I, we have so much in common, including at one point having a crush on Michael Weatherly. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the one that got you? We have gone a little bit off the rails here. Liz, uh, I don't even think you ever told us if Bull was any good. Is Bull, is Bull, I know, we just started talking about Dark Angel. I did a really good job of changing the conversation to talking about Dark Angel. I'm going to take that as a no. No, actually, here's the thing about Bull. I found myself really enjoying it. Um, just like as a on a very the basic... out of here. <laughs> on a very basic like CBS procedural level. It's... Got, it's got like all, you know, you know, it's just like that itch in your brain that a procedural, only a procedural can really scratch the oh. whole like case of the week, mm-hmm. you know, case of the week, tidy little murder mystery all, so, all solved. Unfamiliar. Yeah. It, well, like the rest of America, I have that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I literally feel pain when you have that itch. Like when I was watching, I remember I got sucked into watching House because of an ex-girlfriend like a while back. And it literally hurt me when they were going over their cases every week. I was like, can we fast forward? Can we skip? Like this does not matter. Like we just need to know when he's gonna get snooty with uh, what's his what's his friend's name? Uh, uh, William Sh- or something. Uh, uh, Wilson. Will no? It might have been Wilson. It might have been Wilson. Damn it! I feel embarrassed now. But whenever he's gonna get snooty with him, that's all that matters. Maybe when Cuddy, you know, shows up and, and they have some you know sexual repartee, that's fun. But God, those those procedure elements are just agonizing. They it's just why do you care? Like they're literally lasting. For 20 minutes, they're manufactured for for just that section. It has no lasting effect. I, I God, that was tough. It's not lupus, Ben. It's, ne- it's never <laughs> lupus. Never. Except for that one time, it was finally lupus. Except for when it was. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, I think, so, <laughs> yes, in defense of the procedural, it was probably something we should go through someday at some point. All right, I got, I got a defense of the procedural. What? You ready for it? What? Lethal Weapon. There you go. I enjoyed Lethal Weapon. All right. It's Do- not a good show. Yes. But I enjoyed it. Okay. That's something. Now, here's what I'll say for the procedural elements of Lethal Weapon. Right. What got me through them, slash what made me actually care to watch them, was the fact that they, they filmed them in a way that is unlike most other procedurals, in that we're not just sitting in a square room having an interrogation go back and forth. There's 
they're there's light. They're like outside. They're mm-hmm. on the actual streets of Los Angeles and right. they're filming these pretty for especially for broadcast television, pretty elaborate stunt scenes um, that honestly are worth watching. Like I found myself trying to review this. I'm working on a couple other things while the screener's playing, you know, episode two after I kind of get the gist of what's going on. And I'd look away, and then the action scene would start. I'd be like, oh, I actually have to watch this because they're going to do something a little bit challenging or a little bit different. And, I mean, Clayton Crawford, let's get out of here. He's he's the best. Um, He's fun. Like that, if you're going to give me some formal elements to appreciate during the procedural stuff, then it could be worth watching. I don't feel like Bull... Well, here, here's what I'll say about Bull is that Bull is trying a lot of like kind of weird and imaginative ways of kind of capturing the whole process of behind the Bull, what Dr. Bull does. Um, he's like basically like there's a lot of like, he's basically trying to figure out how the jury's thinking. He's a jury consultant and his goal is to make you, his goal is to figure out what the jury is going to do and then also manipulate them into it, saving his client. Isn't this what The Guardian was? Or? What? What was that show on CBS where the guy, like, could manipulate people or read them without... The Mentalist? Yeah. The Mentalist starring Simon Baker? Isn't it like that? No, it's... No, it's not quite so, like, he could... It, well, he was... Also, The Mentalist was solving crimes. Like... This guy... Uh, he, like, The Mentalist was partnered with a lady detective, I, as, as as by law. I'd bet dollars to donuts that this guy's solving crimes on Bull. But, but he's not, He's not like, actively partnered with a lady detective well, no. or anything. He's, well, no. it's more. It's more in the law and order kind of mode where yeah. they're they're more like it's more about the trial, and it's you know the casting's interesting. Uh, most notably, Christopher Jackson from who just uh, got off. He, I think he was Tony nominated for his work in Hamilton, is now playing a uh, small role. It's 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 not like a great. I wouldn't call this like a great step forward, but get get that paper, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. By all means, make that money. But it's a uh, there's. I don't know. There was charm to it. I, I found myself enjoying the more postmodern elements, which it, speaking to, you know, if you're going to have a procedural aspect, if you're going to be a procedural, like have a way to spice it up every week. And, uh, you know, there's kind of an interesting choice made where the case of the week doesn't actually ever get, it, you find out what happened, but it doesn't actually ever get solved. Like, you know, as far as the people in the show know, the people in the show know less than the audience does at the end of it. And I'm not sure if that's going to be a recurring thing, but like going forward, like are we always going to find out what happened? It's similar to like how Columbo used to show the murder with the murderer at the beginning of every episode. And then it was just about figuring out how it, ha- you know, how Columbo would figure it out. Mm. <laughs> I remain skeptical. Yes, I was. It was Columbo, right? That did the murder first. Sure. Oh, somebody will know. Somebody will write me at lizatindywire.com and let me know. They're gonna, they're <laughs> gonna write you a lot of things, Liz. But, um, but before we get to our question of the week, there's at least two more shows we need to touch on very quickly. Sure. Uh, one of which I feel like we maybe could have spent the whole podcast discussing because it's just baffling. What did you think of This Is Us, Liz? <laughs> um. I've been saying, I think you actually echoed this in your review, um, but I feel like I've been, I basically, it's a really interesting 42 minute short film, and I don't know what the TV show is. No idea. No idea. No idea. It doesn't make, and it's like, apparently, that based only on the fact that we, we get to see how many of you people are reading our stuff, and Ben's review of that show did very well for, for us traffic wise. Um, it did, it did pretty well. It did fine. It did pretty good. Whatever. And so people are at least talking about this one and interested in it, which is 
you know, ABC's notorious would love to have that problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it, but I yeah, I have no idea what that show is going to be going forward. And I don't know if I got hooked enough to honestly check it out, to be honest. Again, this is where kind of the TV fandom creeps in and overwhelms you know, basic common sense in that I will be watching episode two just because I don't know what the fuck this show is. Like, I, have, I literally have no idea what is sp- supposed to happen after this. I didn't feel like virtually any of the storylines created the typical scenario in which there is a problem that needs to be solved or there is a, a an issue that needs to be over overcome mm-hmm. um <laughs> and most disappointed to me was sterling k brown's wow. storyline I, I i he did a fantastic job with it kind of making nothing making something out of nothing um but uh, what is he supposed to do with his dad like what what did we what, what is he supposed to do now like he's just they seem cool. Like, there's not a hidden mystery there. There's not, like, a, a deep, profound problem. And and he's so well off where I, I don't feel like there's any sort of challenge that he needs to overcome or, or even that deep of an emotional connection with his, like with this situation. They tried to make this weird scene in which he just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he, he kind of went crazy for a second, which just seemed strange and unappealing and weird. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't – I mean, this show – it's it's baffling like it's 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 not terrible and i should point out as bad as this makes me feel that this is another dan fogelman series he also created pitch um and i love dan fogelman's crazy stupid love one of the best rom-coms of the last decade by far um so he knows how to kind of do sentimental things well like he knows how to create relationships well i did not get any of that in this show Mm. I mean, he's not the only person involved with it, no, but no, no. but to be fair, also it is really important to note that Dan Fogelman is responsible for two of the Fall TV's, Fall TV's most unnecessary twists. Yes. I mean, not, well, calling, no, calling so the twist far. of This Is Us uh, unnecessary might be a stretch. It's just, it's such a, it's, it's something that could either be really interesting or just devolve into full-on gimmick. Well, it's unnecessary to the point where it it makes me sad. Where I'm like, I I really would have preferred them to just be like, I can't spoil anything. I really yeah. would have preferred the twist to have not happened, so that these characters could exist, could have a more prominent role in future episodes. Right. It seems like they are not going to now, or if they do, it's in a very limited kind of strange capacity. Um, I'd prefer it to be the other way. Uh, so again, it's it just kind of a, a strange pilot, but here we are. I mean, this, this is a perfect this is, this is a perfect example of a show that we desperately could have used more episodes on. Like if I yeah. had at least even two, just even one more episode to see what the structure of the show is going to be like, I feel like we'd all we'd be it'd be a lot more easy, a lot easier to be more enthusiastic about it. Yeah, and it, the conspiracy side of me would argue that they specifically didn't give us any more because maybe there's nothing better out there. They just want us to be infatuated with this twist and kind of evaluate it on the shock, you know, response that, that gets out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's such a standard practice for broadcast. I can't really back up that theory. Like, it's just what everybody does. Yeah. So here we are. So what, what's um, the last show you want to mention? Last show I want to mention is one that premiered technically two weeks ago but is officially back in its time slot last night, Sunday, Son of Zorn. Yeah. Um, really, really enjoyed Son of Zorn. Really liked the pilot. Thought it was uh, very funny. Not necessarily as audacious as kind of the the basic conceit in which an animated character 
who <laughs> springs straight from like Dungeons and Dragons or something. He Man, um, he's He Man. Sorry, springs straight from He Man. Uh, is living in a suburban world where he has to get a job at a at a normal everyday, you know, eight to nine to five gig, and then you know try to win back his son who who you know who is only kind of like him, but really is the opposite. Like it's funny. Like it was funny. It was entertaining. Uh, Tim Meadows just. I love Tim Meadows. So good. Like yeah. really, that that again, that cast dynamic in this comedy worked so well that I I am excited to see more. But you seem a little hesitant. Elizabeth. Well, I just haven't watched. Uh, I just haven't watched Beyond the Pilot, and I feel like. Do we have Beyond the Pilot? I believe we do. Ooh, I'm gonna get on that. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like I, I Beyond the Pilot, like I think there's there's good stuff to go go with the dynamic. I think it's just really. I. Yeah, I feel like there's there's meat on the bones is I, yeah. I guess the best thing to put, say about it. Like there's meat on the bones, and that ensemble is so strong that it really just comes down to like ex- execution. And it's honestly a show where I do. You, is it does it have like a full season order like twenty two? Oh, you're I don't know. Okay, I don't think so. But the thing is, like, I hope that show does not try to get 22 episodes out of its first season. I hope that show gets is like a 13 season, 13 episode first season. I feel like, it, you know, it's like you just run the risk of killing, you know, burning through the joke. Because hmm. there's kind of a one note element to the premise of the joke. Well, I think that's, I think that's the, the challenge that they have to overcome. If they don't overcome it, you're still fairly safe just because these people are so funny and it seems like it'll be, still be entertaining at the least. But if it wants to elevate it, itself into kind of must-see TV, then they need to be as bold with their storytelling as they are with a couple of their jokes. Like there's some stuff in there where it's the it's the shock value uh, that kind of gets you, like with the right. bird. But uh, but if they if they match that with the actual plot of what goes forward, like with what they do within the episodes, it could it could really be a hit and well a critical hit, like a, a something you really have to see. Yeah. So. So. I mean, the question of the week, I mean, it, I guess kind of revol- comes down to this. Uh, what are, do you still watch broadcast TV? Are you, ca- I mean, you're probably watching on Hulu or through your DVR, um, but are you doing that? Are you paying attention on that level? And if you are, you know, what's the best thing you've seen this fall? Yeah. Like, what's your favorite broadcast show? Uh, new broadcast show, I should say. There's a lot of returning stuff that we didn't get to yeah. talk about, but... Um, but yeah, we just listed like nine or ten <laughs> new shows. So I mean, I mean, at this point, like, what what inspires you to take a chance on a show? Like, because yeah. that's a it's a bigger and bigger deal these days. And a lot of times, we hear from people that they don't want to just judge an epi- a show based on one episode. Yeah, uh, broadcast. One of broadcast's biggest problems right now, in terms of uh, you know sustaining as a business model, is the fact that a audiences don't trust them. Uh, it could get canceled after three episodes, two episodes, you know, and then and then they're just abandoned. Um, it's and that they want to wait and binge it like mm-hmm. if they especially if it's available on hulu or if they know it's going to be available in a way that they can binge it which one way or another all of these shows will be if you're willing to buy it on itunes um people want to do that so to sustain they still need live viewers right now and it's kind of a curious question what makes you want to tune in live to a show yeah. other than twists because twists obviously are working yeah apparently um, so yeah, that's the question for you guys. My question for you, Ben, it was is what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, honestly, it might be speechless, but in terms of stuff we haven't talked about, uh, I'll pro- I'll go with Transparent season three. Okay. Um, I just finished it today as we were as we're talking on Friday, um, and it's it's not as good, not as not as complete as season two. Season two to me is probably a perfect season of TV. Like, that was incredibly well done. They 
really shape things up. But season three is um, it's brave. It, it it's trying to answer some pretty big questions, and it's very spread out, um, very far reaching. Kind of uh, gets a little bit lost, but mostly in a good way. So. The performances are still spectacular. The discussion that you're going to get out of it, especially if you know other people who watch it, is going to be top tier. Um, and you know, it's it's still a beautiful show. So I I really do, in, I'd really do recommend Transparent, especially if you haven't tried it out yet. It's a tough season. It's it's not easy viewing. Definitely skewing more towards drama than comedy these days. But um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Really really well done. Cool, cool. Liz, what about you? Well, the best thing, um, I feel bad. I always feel a little weird when I make my next, when last week's next thing is my best thing, but maybe that just means I'm very good at predicting my own habits. Um, but the best thing I watched this week was Easy, uh, the new Joe Swanberg show we touched on briefly uh, uh, that premiered on Netflix on Thursday as opposed to Friday when Netflix normally premieres its shows. But that just gave you an extra day to kind of dig into, like, basically what are these eight little standalone anthology episodes that do add up to a larger whole. And kind of. Kind of. It's, it's like, it's actually, I spoke with uh, Joe Swanberg about the show uh, last week, and one thing he said about it was that he he doesn't consider – the show a portrait of Chicago, but he feels like it's the start of the of a portrait of Chicago. Like 15 seasons from now, he could feel comfortable calling it a portrait of Chicago. But for right now, it's just like these nice little character stories, kind of in these tiny little worlds, and the world's just going to get, and the world starts to grow a little bit in size as you know the show the season goes on, and then theoretically a season two and season three and season four would make things even deeper. Yeah. And so and you watched it as well, and we were having we actually had a really in-depth conversation about it right before I started to record this podcast. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's a really interesting show to discuss. There's a lot of different choices that get made that prove interesting. It's it's a show that should be discussed on an episodic basis because each episode has its own kind of working thesis and its own dissection of, of a modern relationship, uh, mostly centered around romantic relationships, but occasionally diving into a few other elements. Um, but it... it it definitely deserves to be discussed. I would be wary if I was in a romantic relationship <laughs> to sit down and watch all of them and just see what it brings up. That could be challenging if you're not on very sure footing. But uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely worth engaging in if you want to have that discussion. And I'm glad Swanberg said that because you never want to you never want to pretend that you can kind of cover an entire city right. um, in especially eight half hours. So like him, and, and honestly what he does with Chicago and how diverse this cast is, how diverse these stories are, is very encouraging because of how people typically seem to think about Chicago. So I really enjoyed that about it as well. And, and the way he shoots Chicago is definitely from the perspective of somebody uh, who knows how to appreciate the city. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting, it's a very interesting series. I am curious to hear reaction to it. Somebody, I, I think it was the Vulture Critic, Critic um, Matt Solar cites had in his headline that it was uh, easy, an easy watch, like uh, or it goes down easy or something like that. And I couldn't disagree with that more, but I have to actually read the review before I start calling that crazy. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, great pick, Liz. Great, thank you. And what's the next thing you're looking forward to? <laughs> uh, I am looking forward to the Woody Allen series, Crisis in Six Scenes. Oh, you just want your sandwich. I am very much looking forward to my sandwich. I cannot wait 
to have my sandwich that Liz owes me because she bet foolishly that Woody Allen's show would never see the live day. I made that bet a year and a half ago, for the record. Still foolish. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a fan of Woody Allen's. I'm very curious to see what he does with the extra, basically, hour, hour and a half that he has here. Like I, it, <laughs> it looks like one of those kind of mediocre, medium Woody Allen <laughs> movies from the trailer and, and kind of from what we're getting out of it. I don't necessarily expect expect uh, Match Point or Christ or uh, sorry Match Point or um, Midnight in Paris or any of his kind of newer yeah. uh, hits to come out of this, but at the same time, I'm going to enjoy it. So I, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to having a nice Arby's sandwich with it. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> uh, Liz, other than other than you know. Watching you eat, watching you eat a sandwich. Well, watching me eat the sandwich, buying the sandwich for me, making the trip to go get me my sandwich. Uh, what are you? What are you looking forward to next week? Um, I am looking forward. It's sad to say goodbye, but I am looking forward forward to the Baller season two finale. Oh wait, didn't that just happen? I right? mean, yes. Well, it hasn't like in, in it, the now when people are hearing it. In now, in the now when people are hearing it, um, I will have. It, 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 as you listen to this, you I will. For I will bald. For two seasons, and I will feel spe- I will feel invigorated and enraptured in- by that experience. I'm well, very let's sure. Hope so. I mean, I, whew, Liz could get dark. Also, I'm gonna. It could. I'm very worried about the rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing that's worth mentioning is that uh, Luke Cage is premiering uh, this week, and I'm really excited to check that out. Uh, I, you know. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the Marvel stuff, as we know, and Mike Coulter's great. And uh, I've seen the pilot for Luke Cage, and based on based on that, I'm really I feel like they're trying. It, it's tonally a very different show, and it's it really a di- very different show in from from like Jessica Jones that I respect, as opposed to when I watched Daredevil season two, and I was like, this is like Jessica Jones, but not as good as Jessica Jones. Like this is trying something very unique and. To it, within the universe that that's been established, and I think, I think that'll play well. Hopefully, what are the odds we uh, get to see Jessica Jones in Blue Cage? Uh, that is a really good question. I, I mean, Rosario Dawson is confirmed. Yeah, uh, I know. whatever. That's a Daredevil connection. You don't, you don't, you don't do that face for for Rosario Dawson. Hey, I love Rosario Dawson. Good, but she's correct. A very muted character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I want to know if we're going to see any of Jessica Jones. Are we going to see some Kristen Ritter? I shoot. The best way to respond to this is a sandwich bet, but I'm already in the hole for like two sandwiches right now. Well, I'm not going to bet on it. I have no idea if we're going to see her or not. You have a lot of inside information regarding no, the MCU. No, not not as much as uh, not as much as Han right now. Han has more. Still but more than I do. I exponentially and always. More I would than I do. guess we're going to get a cameo. Yeah, great. But I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not betting anything on it. Is there going to be um, a scene that people won't shut up about, akin to the Daredevil? fight scene in the hallway i think so i mean i think like they're making like the thing about already like if you saw the uh one of the first big trailers they released uh which is um which i really still really love this trailer all it is is essentially a big mike colt a big luke cage fight scene set to uh shimmy shimmy yeah oh yeah yeah um and i mean the fact the fact is the the basic fact of luke cage's powers uh 
always fun to talk about this sort of thing in a critical sense. Like, you know, so that character's superpowers, um, like while having hugely metaphorical impact, uh, given especially the current state of, you know, police brutality and Black Lives Matter. Um, be, you know, so the fact that Luke Cage is, you know, indestructible and just striding down a hallway like a total badass and then beating the crap out of people like a total badass, like, I think, I don't know if it's going to be, if, if the choreography is going to be quite as emphasized, but I think the action will definitely be a big part of the show just on a number of levels. Well, Liz, I'm not too worried about the choreography, considering how bad it was for Daredevil. So um, that could be fun. I'll, yeah. ch- I'll check it out. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe you'll like it. Hey, they're one for two so far. That's true. Um, so you're, you're going to be able to read so much about all these shows on IndieWire.com, uh, where you also find reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like and all the stuff you don't. And if you want to hear about movies, that's right, those shorter, you know, less time investment properties that get thrown out in the theaters and you spend about anywhere from 7 to 14 or sometimes $20 to see in, like, in the theater. Uh, if you want to do that, uh, you need to make sure that you listen to Screen Talk with Eric Cohen and Ann Thompson because like, kind of similarly to how we just got a flood of TV, we're about to get a flood of movies and they're all going to be fighting for your attention and fighting for your dollars. So uh, Eric Cohen and Ann Thompson are the one to trust. They will help you through that. And uh, if you want to come back to TV, once you're you know, done with those silly movies, <laughs> make sure you listen to Turn It On with our own Mike Schneider. Uh, he's t- talking about every week what's on right then and what matters at that moment. So um, I believe this week he talked to the stars of The Good Place, yeah. right? And uh, so he's got Ted Danson, Kristen uh, Bell on there. Yeah. Um, we've got some talk about Speechless. I don't remember what the essay was this week. But, hey, it's it's all good Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, Game of Thrones at the Emmys. So um, all very good topical content. So make sure you subscribe to Turn It On. Yeah. And uh, you should be looking for us, by the way, not just on iTunes, not just on SoundCloud, but we just actually signed up for Stitcher. We have a Stitcher account. So if you you listen to podcasts on Stitcher, you could listen to us through there. I don't know why we put this message here because technically you've already figured out a way to watch it, to to listen to us. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you're like, God damn it, I don't want to listen to this on soundcloud on here it's inconvenient for me or i don't want to listen to it on itunes i'm boycotting apple because i don't like the headphone headphones. jack being gone um so yeah we're uh, got options yeah you got options and you can also follow ben on twitter at ben t travers and more importantly you can find liz on twitter at lizlet that's with an i and an e that's correct uh be sure to email us with your thoughts at liz liz at indywire.com and ben at indywire.com and in the meantime you guys Keep watching television.